Hello and namaste. I'm Peter Furco, and this is Peter's Podcast, where we talk about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks for joining me. In today's episode, I have a wide-ranging conversation with my colleague, Douglas Stewart. Douglas has been teaching yoga since 2001. He's the co-founder of Yoga in Times Square, celebrating the summer solstice by uniting the community of yoga enthusiasts across the country. He's received the Community Center Service Award for volunteering his yoga classes at the Lesbian and Gay Community Center. He's inspired by the notion that if peace is our goal, then it is also the means. Douglas is a fellow Yogi Raj in the lineage of Ishta Yoga. I've known Douglas for a long time, and one thing I've noticed is when you bring up Douglas's name, people always say, Ah, oh, I love Douglas. I'm the same. I love Douglas. I hope you enjoy our interview. Before we start, I have to apologize for the audio. I had a technical glitch during mixing that's uh, messed up Douglas's channel. So for the first segment, he sounds a little bit like he's phoning it in. It clears up right after our first break. Enjoy. Hi, Douglas. I'm Peter. <laughs> so nice to have you here on Peter's podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So um, we've been teaching together for a while. And you were teaching before I was teaching, too. You've been teaching for a long time. I've been teaching since 2001, Wow. I believe. Yeah, and I started in 2003. So. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're kindred spirits. Yeah. You were saying Gina? Gina always keeps track of the time because we were in the same training. Gina Menza. Gina Menza. Yeah. Oh, you were in the same training. Okay. And it was B-Yoga at the time. Or it was you know, yoga works. We were a yoga zone. Zone. We were a yoga zone at the time. Right. That's how, that's ages ago. That's dinosaur years. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty amazing. My teachers were Alan, of course, and Gene, um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Lisa Bennett. Wow. And Charles Mackin. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. And everybody has gone their separate ways except for us (laughs) yeah and alan and gina yeah 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 cool cool yeah um so uh one of the uh interesting things about being in new york and being in uh yoga world is that you get to deal with so many different kinds of people from all these different walks of life and both you and I come from the arts, so we have this artistic soul, and we also get to teach a lot of artists as well, mm-hmm. which I always find super great because we speak the same language. Yeah, I, I enjoy that too. I, I always think of yoga as being an art form, you know, a science, of course, but um, lately um, more as an art form. As I see dancers, I was a ballet dancer, you know, for yeah. years. And as I see dancers coming into my class, it, there's a there is a kinship between the asana and dancing in a sense, but only to a point. Yeah. You know? um, and when I was a ballet dancer, it was all about how it looked. Right. And stand, you know, for hours, right. looking at ourselves in the mirror and learning how to put the head and the shoulders, right. and the and, and all of the, you know, the aesthetic of movement. And and with the yoga process, there is that understanding of the physical body, but it's an internal yeah. mirror yeah. that you are getting more familiar with right. rather than the external you're sensing your my sensitivity has changed in, in to more inner right that word aesthetic is is an interesting one because it's a kind of a nebulous word it's like taste and what's beautiful 
but it's not an exact thing. It's art, artful, it's right? Artful. And, and it's the same with what you're feeling from the inside when you practice asana. It's like aesthetic. It's the feeling of energy flowing. Yes, exactly. Of radiance, of that balance point between you're doing the effort, but there's a glorious ease to it. Yeah. yeah. And also recognizing those places where the energy is not flowing. Yeah. We are just trying to move attention into those blocks and knots and tangles to just get a nice flow. And so you really, one really has to be very quiet inside the self as you're moving the external. And I heard one yoga teacher call it scaffolding. Hmm. And I love that mm-hmm. expression how, you know, even in New York, sometimes these buildings are just covered by the scaffolding. Right. Everything changes inside and underneath it. Right. Uh, almost, uh, invisible to our eye right so the scaffolding comes off and then you see something brand new right and uh interesting like that term yeah that metaphor yeah maybe we can step back for a minute and, and talk about your 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 dancing and how you got into yoga it's interesting i was a ballet dancer and i got into it very late most dancers start when they're eight years old <laughs> yes I, yes you know when the tutu looks really cute <laughs> You got into it for the two, too. I know you did. Why? Never wore two. But it would have looked good on you. Yeah. Mostly girls. You're right. Mostly yeah. Young girls start early, and uh, guys tend to start late. And I started very late. So when I started learning the technique of dancing, my body had already formed. And so learning how to do that turnout, the mm-hmm. position of the legs outward and coming into these awkward positions that the physical body has to maintain and also move through caused me injuries, mm. tendonitis on my left side. Mm. Developed in my Achilles, moved into my knee, moved into my hip, and over the course of my career just got more and more uh, painful. Mm. Like it rippled through. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I was favoring one side, one right. side, more outward rotation than the other side. And I have that too. And I think that's something that's important to point out for people studying yoga too, because a lot of times they go, oh, I can't do this, or I'm, this is my bad side. But everybody's got that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, dancers love to term it, you know, bad, good side. This right. Good leg. It's my good foot. <laughs> right. Good, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, then came to our ballet company. I was dancing in Kansas City uh, Ballet Company for about 15 years. And about halfway through that period, Jonathan Watts came. Jonathan Watts used to be a principal at New York City Ballet. And my director was also from that line of dancing, Balanchine. Mm-hmm. And um, he'd just come from studying yoga with Iyengar. Oh, interesting. And he wasn't contracted to teach us yoga. He was contracted to keep the ballets clean and to keep the dancers in form, a ballet master. Uh-huh. And he saw us and he was like, you guys are in a mess. I want to do yoga at wow. the end of the work day. Wow. That was my introduction to yoga. Huh. And my injuries started to clear up. Really? Yeah. Even though you were still dancing, the full schedule. I mean, I still had some issues, but not nearly as painful as it was. And what would you say was the thing that was happening in yoga that was making a difference? I think the attention, what I learned primarily through him especially, was just focusing my attention into particular areas Mm. and um, understanding how breath can uh, can relieve stress and strain. And you know, as a musician, um, that musicians and music is made in phrases. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started practicing yoga that I understood phrasing. Hmm. And, and it changed the nature of my movement. Oh, great. I could make a sentence of movement rather than chop, chop, move, move. Right. You know, it became a phrase. Right. And a lot of things happened to me during that course of time, but uh, that's how I got into yoga. That's so interesting. I was talking this past week about, in yoga class, about the, the breath and the movements that we do as vinyasa. And they can look like chop, 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 chop. I'm in this pose, I'm in this pose, I'm in this pose, I'm in this pose. 
but it takes it to a whole other level when all of the spaces in between the poses are also part of the yoga, <laughs> right? And so that it's a cycle of things going on that is like breath. It, it has a complexity to it. It's not just one this and its opposite. It's maybe there's a pause, maybe one's longer than the other, but there's still this flowing and a con- continuity that makes it rich. I love the continuity, mm-hmm. the richness of the continuity, the, and, it, and it brings you higher, just uh, spirals upward. You know, every cycle, every phrase just spirals upward somehow, mm-hmm. and you reach this sort of uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And you're resonating and vibrating at, a, at an amazing frequency at that point. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, that's that's the the best of yoga practice. I think is to um, when there's just the right amount of all of the parts, like all the components. The, the attention, the breath, the level of the difficulty of the practice, and you end up at the end of it in this zone, mm-hmm. you know, yoga zone. <laughs> yeah, Al's had a lot of good names of places. Yoga good. zone, yoga works, yoga. <laughs> and be yoga. yoga. Yeah. To me, that was yeah. yeah. And ishta itself means like the energy that brings you the light. So it's pretty, pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> he reached deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so um, back to your story then. So you were dancing, you did yoga, it helped you with your dancing, helped you physically feel better, and then you changed out of being a dancer at some point. Yeah, well, I got older. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that happened to me too. It's just, you know... <laughs> Princess, that train goes in one direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have to try to keep people like, you know, a little older people around me so that I, I don't feel so so much on the peak here. Yeah, that's why I stick around Al. No, you know, it's like, you just, it, there's something about being with this uh, same generation of people that's comforting in a way, you know, as well as being involved with people who are younger and older. It's like, we have such a, we do have this like one way is the good way sensibility in America that's so ridiculous because it's, I mean, it's an impossibility to stay <laughs> a certain age. You know, it's a, inevitable. Yes. That, yeah. So it's like a, a weird mental trick we play on ourselves that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I've been embracing more and more the fact that I look more like my dad than I look like a kid, you know? (laughs) I see my dad every time I look in the the mirror, right? And uh, I used to look more like my mom. Uh Uh-huh. And now as I get older, I'm looking more and more like my father. Mm Mm-hmm. I have the same thing going on. I'm embracing my, my, I call it maturity. I think it's the healthy thing to do, you know? And it's something that you know, the the broader practice of yoga also instructs us in, you know, that this part of us is ephemeral, this part of us that we play around with that has imbalances on one side or the other side that hurts some days and doesn't other days, that, that gets old and things start falling apart and whatnot. You know, that there's also something to us that is this eternal spark that is found in me and in you and in someone else and when we say namaste that's what we're acknowledging you know that's what we're tapping into every time we greet each other in that way yeah i have a retreat coming up with wendy newton ulrika norbury to normandy france it's a great great opportunity to spend some time on yourself in a deep way with what wendy likes to call trusted others, people who can help you sort out what's important, what's not important, what's working, what you could use, otherwise known as really good teachers. So I hope you'll come. We tried to price it just right. It can be easily bundled with a vacation time in Paris or London or anywhere else in Europe. Take a look. 
peterfurco.com slash france2018. See you there. A bientôt. Meditation makes, makes that so profound to me, you know, where... Um, and that's probably why it's easier for me to embrace, you know, getting older. I just turned 60 years old in April. April 11 was my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. And... Uh, I'm ahead of you, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice well, to have I, some youngsters around. <laughs> well, it's good to have a leader like you, Peter, leading the way. Yeah. You're um, beautiful in that. Um, but sitting still and allowing my mind to just rest and saturate in that allness, uh, the unchanging, um, the eternal. And then when, you know, when age or life continues with all of these changes, there is that reference that I've tapped into each day, you know, that sort of takes the panic away, right. you know. Um, yeah. It gives you uh, another perspective, you know, like a, you're not just totally engrossed in that as all that is. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, all that is, sometimes that can sound like esoteric or like you're dreaming, dreaming stuff up or having positive thinking or something like that. But I mean, unless you are practicing, it's hard to explain to someone else that it's not that, that yeah. there's actually... A shift in the way you feel about things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that you get from doing the practice. Yeah, that when things seem like, oh my God, that happened, it's like, it's not so bad. It's not the end of the world. It's not know? the end of the world. It gives me meditation and, um, well, what we call yoga, the asana as well. But all of it is yoga. Um, but the meditation particularly gives me sort of a ground, you know, it's a ground from which to extend the rest of my life, actions, mm-hmm. thoughts, and deeds seem to come from that mm-hmm. source, that well. And you're right, all that is, all, you know, the the one, it can get a little, especially now because we toss those terms around right. a lot. and. And I'm even reading them, you know, in the newspaper. You right. know, there are all these in the New York Times. They're using you see more and more uh, yoga terminology. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, mind. Well, so many people take yoga now. Yeah, they're familiar with. The they're language. familiar with they're the familiar terms. With the practice. Yeah. yeah, but to see it creeping into our vernacular, mm-hmm. and so the language that that kind of. Uh, uh, spiritual language mm-hmm. or. Uh, conscious language may start to find, you know, different meaning, right. um, less specific. Right. Um, not that it was ever ironed down. <laughs> I mean, because you know, the sutras are just, yeah. you know, you read one sutra one time in your life, and then you go back to it the next, you know, maybe 10 years later, and you read that same sutra, and it's like, wait a minute, how did I miss that? Right. You know. Right. Well, uh, Wendy, you mentioned spiral. Wendy talks about the sutras as this practice is like a spiral. Mm-hmm. You you go through the eight limbs, you have this experience of samadhi, brings you insight, and you go back into the eight limbs again. You know, you go back into living and the doing, and then the next time around, again, there's the the insight and then you come back into it. So exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. each time through, there is some new understanding, some new perspective. Wow. Yeah. Mm. The great aha. Mm-hmm. And then you move on. You mm-hmm. graduate, so to speak. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I say that sometimes in meditation class, you know, that because a lot of people there are like, what do we do when we're in that silent place? You know, I mean, what am I supposed to be doing for those 18 minutes or whatever, you know? And it's like, it's going to vary. Sometimes it will be like, oh, and yeah. sometimes that's like four seconds long. And then you're like, oh, wait, was I supposed to have that the whole time? And, yeah. you know, it's just a... And can I get back there? Right, <laughs> right. And it becomes like a goal-oriented thing again. And mm-hmm. I mean, it is kind of a goal, but you're just like allowing, mm-hmm. not doing. Uh-huh. Alan always says, I'm teaching you to do nothing. Huh. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, you can't do nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But I interrupted your story again. So you were you decided to to not dance anymore. Yeah, because I got old, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and uh, I decided then I had no training to do anything else mm -hmm. really. I'd gone to college and all that, but I, you know, and then, and that time back in the '80s, it was all about word processing. Can mm. you, can, you know, I was trying to get a job here in the city. Mm -hmm. Can you do word processing? And I was like, Oh, sure, I know word processing. Uh. Didn't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. um, <clears throat> you have a very trustworthy face. <laughs> well, I was lying. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that came through because I wasn't oh, hired as any oh, of those shoot. things. So, yeah. um. And then I uh, uh, was looking for a place here in the city to practice yoga, and I and I saw this pamphlet on the table of one of the buildings that I was in, and it said Yoga Zone, you know, practice at Yoga Zone Yoga. And I was like, oh, I need a good place to practice. So I came to the studio mm -hmm. and uh, fell in love with the teachers and the system. And, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I've been here, yoga zone, be yoga, ishta yoga, since through. since yeah. then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so cool. And you you teach some at Yoga Works as well. I do. The, the yeah. current for, the current iteration of Yoga Works, yeah. which was Alan's partners in L.A. who kept that going when Al moved to New York and created Yoga Zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then yo that Yoga Works eventually came to New York. Right. Absorbed, absorbed. Yes. <laughs> and then Alan came to Ishta. And yeah. And do you teach the same class in both places? I, I do. Yeah. And there they call it Hatha Yoga. Mm -hmm. I think there's some, you know, uh, reason why they have to label that class Hatha. And mm -hmm. so it made me understand what it is, you mm -hmm. know, what Hatha is, and to get so. Um, or hatha yoga, sun moon, <laughs> sun moon, yeah, and uh, the balancing of those energies, yeah. uh, and uh, but it's like it's a similar class that I teach here uh -huh. um, at the Ishta Center. I find that to try to do to make a different agenda in each environment is just it feels conflicting inside right. myself, and it's easier to connect with people out of my own. Um, authenticity and right. and um, I was well. I'll say purpose. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so. you're a, you're a yoga master, and it's uh, when you offer yoga in its true form, authentically, people resonate with that. Mm. You know, I mean, I I've, I remember reading the Swami Satchidananda copy of the Yoga Sutras, and he tells lots of stories in it, <clears throat> and in one of the stories. He says, uh, I had a student and he came and he was very flustered because he's exhausting himself trying to teach class. And uh, I said, what is up? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm struggling because I'm charging people to teach yoga class. And so I feel like I, I have to be teaching something new to make it worth their while, you know, for them to keep coming. And Swami Satchitananda said, Ah, uh, we find that we just teach yoga, and the people leave happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, that is the best. Yeah, but I was—I had that conflict too, you know, mm -hmm. because lately or a few years ago, it was always about the numbers in the class. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the numbers? Mm -hmm. How many people did you have? And I never—I'm saying this, you know, aloud now, but I <laughs> never count. I yeah, just. Yeah teach who's there right. and um, so the business mind of me is not concerned about that mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, so much uh, but it's important I guess I mean if you're if you have a business you've got to know yeah. what you know how to make it better for and then to improve so that you keep people coming and people have lives and can make a livelihood and right. um, but I find that if I just concentrate on offering yoga or peace or ease or grace or purpose or uh, intention or something in that way, then it frees me up from trying to create a class that's going to be 
uh, popular or right. or everyone's gonna gravitate to it. Just it's another. I don't I don't worry so much about that. I think in all of the fields, you know, there there's so much advice about how to be successful in every different field, and I I have always found that kind of advice questionable. Mm-hmm. Like somebody will succeed with something, and then they teach that as though that's what you used to be successful. But really, it was just kind of their karma that put them in that right place at that time, and that's that's why they were successful. And you can do little things around the edges, I think, to mm-hmm. make it better. Like greet your students and mm-hmm. you know be present. Mm-hmm. But mostly, I think it's the the being teaching authentically teaching the real McCoy stuff yeah and I have um, I think right now yoga has evolved since we started teaching you know mm-hmm. that it's been in its own evolution and, and you were talking about it being in the newspapers you know mm-hmm. I mean it's like everybody is growing in their understanding of what this practice is mm-hmm. that it's not a fitness routine it's not dancing it's not gymnastics mm-hmm. there's something about it that makes you feel really different when you do it mm-hmm. and I think more and more it's growing as a kind of uh, what people do as their spiritual practice as well as for the feeling of healthiness or whatever mm-hmm. you know, they feel good on all the levels yeah and so if you're offering that that's gonna grow the class, yeah. you know. Not trying to do what somebody else does, mm-hmm. or what's reported to be the right thing from yoga journal, or exactly. Something. Or trying to teach endlessly new poses. Yeah. I mean, I've been joking about lately. I, I started two years ago. Every now and then, I remember back to like good things about uh, or or good ways to teach in terms of sequencing one of the notions is that you want to have an arc of learning for your students like over time you'd like them to grow in their own practice their own understanding so every now and then I'll think about that from the physical practice side Mm -hmm. well let's see maybe we'll work on doing this so a couple years ago I decided well let me teach you jump through Mm -hmm. You know, so I broke it down into like six steps so that everybody could start with one of them at Mm -hmm. least and then carry on from there. Mm -hmm. And here I am like two years later and I like two thirds of the class is still only able to do that first piece, you know? And so it's like, it's like a joke, right? (laughs) So you can try to keep coming up with new stuff, but it doesn't mean that people are going to get anything out of it. No. And, uh, of course, you have a, a, a group of students that will come all the time, and they can follow that arc if you've planned it. But then there are people that are coming in uh, brand new, yeah. and, and, and find, you find, I find that I have to go back to the very beginning, and we've right. gotten to this level with this group of people, and right. then here another group are coming in to start, and... So rather than leaving them in the dark, right? Do you have one has to? I have to lay the groundwork there so they understand what's going on. Yeah. And so it's a that is the nature of the drop-in class. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I for the longest time was teaching a class that I just called open. Yeah. But then I found too much of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. where like first-time beginners would drop in on the class, yeah. and then you're going all the way back. Yeah. So. I just changed the name to intermediate. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> but, you know, so then at least there's an assumption that you know something. Yeah. yeah. Please support Peter's podcast on patreon.com. Your support is what keeps this in your ears. Check it out. But it helps me to to uh, stay tuned to my class. I have to really pay attention to who who's in the room, and what are the needs of that person, and um, and my agenda to reach a certain point or to build an arc or to do whatever, you know, is sometimes, oftentimes, thrown right out of the window, mm-hmm. you know, because 
you know you have to adapt to yeah or um, that spirit isn't moving you in the in the moment of the class yeah I find so for a long time I've been wanting to you know teach a power class because uh-huh. everyone comes to me to to do gentle ish yoga uh-huh. I don't know if it's so gentle but um it's hard I've slow been and whatever methodical <laughs> however yeah uh, slow one of my teach yeah. one of my students calls it a moving meditation mm-hmm. and um but anyway, I have this urge to just uh, eventually just sort of bust out and do like this huge, you know, power yoga yeah. that's inside of me. And, every, and yeah. this is the day I'm going to do it. And I get to the class and expecting to see all the people that can do that kind of class. And it, you right. know, I have to go right back to, <laughs> to you know, right. methodical breathing. Yeah. yeah. Or someone comes in and they said, I'm just coming back for the first time after having a hip replacement. <laughs> or like, I broke my arm. And, yeah. Well, come on in. Let's <laughs> right. see how you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it keeps me available and listening and curious and mm-hmm. um, letting my ego just sort of let yeah. go of it, Douglas. Yeah. And so how long did it take you to figure out once you started taking classes at Yoga Zone that you wanted to do this maybe as a next profession? It wasn't immediate, you know. I took the training and there was so much information. I mean, and now of course... Oh, so right away you took training? No, I took the training eventually. I took mm-hmm. class uh, maybe about a year or so at Yoga Zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, Did you take Al's class too? Or just... And I took Al's oh. class, the meditation classes. Um... And then, who was it that asked me to do the teacher training? I think it was uh, uh, Lisa Bennett. And I took the training, and there was so much information, you know, so much information that I didn't feel like I could manage to impart all of that stuff mm-hmm. to anyone. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it took me about a year and a half, year and a half to to finally convince myself that I could teach maybe Mm. two years so you said something so beautiful once um, that stands out in contrast to a lot of people who study to be teachers which was that you did your studying you took your training Mm -hmm. you'd go to Al's class and for the longest time you just just what you just said I didn't feel like I was able to I didn't have something to say yet mm-hmm. so you just practiced yeah and um, that's that's wonderful mm. to to be able to pause you know mm. in terms of um, like allowing that there's enough time for that yeah you know because mm-hmm. we're so frantic about accomplishment yes and especially if you invest in a training where you're, that's a lot of money to put down and yeah. time to put down and you feel like, okay, I got to get something out of this. So, mm-hmm. you know, but <clears throat> clearly, I mean, you know, you're a marvelous teacher, so it's okay to stop too <laughs> and allow it to sink in, mm-hmm. you know. And then, well, you and I have had the best teacher, Alan, yeah. you know, when you're sitting in that presence every day or every mm-hmm. Tuesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> And there is this wealth of information coming into all systems and masterfully imparting that with humor and grace and light and love from this master teacher. How could I possibly say anything after, you know, what could I add, you know? And I just needed to soak it all in before Mm -hmm. I thought that I could say something, could offer something right. of, of that experience. Right. And um, and a, another part of me just wanted to see, too, if it was true. All the things that I was learning, I was like, is right. that true for me? Right. You know, I was always coming back to the question, how does that, af- how does that apply to me in my life and my right. condition right now? Right. And it took me a while to just... I'd learn something from Alan so really in the class. So really absorb the absor- Ishta idea. Yeah. Like, this is something that's going to have an effect. What is the effect? Mm-hmm. And then is that what's right for me in this moment? 
and I would see my life changing through the practice. And uh, it was just an exploration, uh, a journey for me to soak in that information from the training and from and from uh, practicing with Al, um, and uh, eventually getting the nerve to teach. But when my mm-hmm. first class, it was an hour and a half class. I was so nervous. I, I could, I could, <laughs> the, the sweat was plopping onto the mat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the class was supposed to end an hour and a half. It was two hours. Wow. You had completely no <laughs> grasp on yeah. time. Yeah. It was awful <laughs> in oh, terms okay. of just... Um, so uh, my 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 uh, acharya said, "Get a watch." <laughs> Get a watch. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm here on the subway, and I'm thinking it's nice to listen to a podcast right now. I'm not sure which one to listen to. I'm kind of bored with what I've got, so I thought I'd look for something different. So when you want to look for something different in podcasts, you hit the search field. And you know what it gives you? Podcasts that are rated really well by people who are listening to them. Hey, look, there's Peter's podcast. If you like Peter's podcast, why don't you rate it? You can probably do it right there on your phone. In fact, I'll pause for a moment so you can just scroll down, hit stars or likes or make a comment. I'll play the bass for you for a little bit. Awesome. Thank you so much for rating Peter's podcast. Here's the rest of my interview with Douglas Stewart. Enjoy. I had had so much yoga practice before I did training because mm-hmm. I had started taking class in Alan's studio in LA. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get to meet Al at that time. I was studying with Rod Stryker, oh. who was a young kid with Al at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, And so I took class with him. I took class with this actress, uh, Patsy, I'm forgetting her last name at the moment, but mm-hmm. Patsy Townsend. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they were teaching Ishta Yoga because they had learned with Al. And... Then I was at Yogananda's place doing meditation, learning the Kriya techniques, and and then afterwards, or even just like all at the same time, you know, it was the 80s, Marianne Williamson had just started doing her Course in Miracles Sundays, it was like, that was my new church, you know, yeah. I gave up my old church, I started doing that, mm. and, you know, studying the Course, doing yoga and then I traveled around the states a bit and was kept trying to find something like the same yoga and couldn't find it mm. until I ended up in New York you know a decade later and saw Alan Finger hey that's the same you know and then it was like homecoming mm-hmm. so I had been doing this yoga for so long so I felt like I had a little more absorbed Mm-hmm. The stuff when by the time it was teacher training, it was like, well, I don't want to be a teacher. I'm already just practiced this. I'm, I'm an artist, you know. Yeah. I'm a musician and whatever. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, Beverly Murphy said, "We need somebody on Sunday and Saturday. Do you want to teach?" And I was just—I hadn't even finished my training, and, and I said, oh, "Okay." So that that worked out. Wow, but it was just a different different entry path. But still absorption, you know, you oh, had yeah. absorbed a great deal. Yeah, <clears throat> for all those years. Yeah. And then finding Al, like you say, you know, just sitting up there. Mm. We, we were both sitting on the box <laughs> yeah. with Al. <laughs> yeah, listening and listening and listening. And then when he, then when he said, Peter, can you, can you go, like, help out during that? I'm like, no, I want to sit here and do the meditation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Listening and absorbing all of the shakti. Yeah, the, exactly. You know. We were just talking about that in a meeting with teachers earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, just being around your teachers mm-hmm. is such a profound mm-hmm. transformer. You know, yeah. we think of ourselves so physically, mm-hmm. but that's like the the minor part of what oh, yeah. we are. Mm-hmm. 
you know we're all about what's the mental thing what's the energy thing and that gets so influenced by all these intangibles oh yeah oh yeah it's interesting that our paths cross back then even in Course in Miracles that book just sort of plopped into my lap I was going through some terrible transition or some in my life at that time and for some reason that book just landed in me and it and it resonated so deeply mm-hmm. you know and um, and I find I mean it speaks of uh, it speaks in uh, in a universal language primarily through the Christian point of view right but, um, but those principles are so universal right um, that it was a guidepost for a very long time as well it's yeah I found it a fascinating mm-hmm. Um, gift in that especially uh, you know I think probably all artists but probably all people you know there's this sort of tortured time in life when you're trying to figure stuff out Mm -hmm. and it just seems so difficult and you know all real traditions offer this possibility but the course did it in a language that spoke to me at the time of this you know the way you're thinking is upside down Mm -hmm. (laughs) And all you have to do is turn that around yeah. and suddenly the world's going to look different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like... <sighs> yeah. <sighs> exactly. So. Yeah. That's exactly how it happened with me, too. It was, uh, you know... I think one of the phrases that I remember specifically is seek not outside yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And then I find Alan, who's teaching meditation and all of those inner, you know, getting so immersed in the inner. Right. And, um, and so the two were bridged right, uh, by that action somehow. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I've spoken with a fair number of students around here mm-hmm. who, you know, are either teacher or trainees of mine or whatnot, and they pick up the course and they're like blown away. And I've thought... A, a bit about the course because of that, like a new, mm-hmm. you know, and everything in it is in yoga, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that's why I love yoga now. It's like there's so many things. There's Eckhart Tolle, and there's this person, and there's that person, you know, and all these different things. But yoga is so comprehensive, mm-hmm. you know. It's reaching us on all these koshas as we would say you know it's like at all the levels of our being at all the aspects of our manifestation and so my my aim has mostly been to try to make it in language that's easy to access Mm -hmm. you know so talking to people in language that maybe they don't talk in all the time Mm -hmm but they talk in some of the time they're interested in yeah right Mm -hmm. and you know part of doing this podcast is that it's like how do we make life a little bit more through that yoga lens and shed a little light on what's going on in life Mm -hmm. you know yeah uh planting seeds uh stoking curiosity Mm -hmm. um I like to play in images when I'm teaching, you mm-hmm. know, uh, images of nature, you know. I found myself the other day, though, you know, I never know what's going to come out of my right. mouth, describing the, the shoulder blades and, and just allowing the shoulder blades. And usually I say shoulder blades, let them shoulder blades just sort of flow down like water. Uh-huh. The other day I said sh- flow down like lava. lava and I was like oh okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's nice nice and slow nice and slow movement yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I like to paint those images and just to keep the student's mind uh, uh, focused and and uh, as you said language that is relatable and right. uh, experiences that are relatable and um, to everyone basically right. Right, um, and sometimes that means timely, like something's going on, and you can mention something somehow. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's more timeless, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, drawing big archetypal images. Mm-hmm. 
but like in the Vedas, you know, mm-hmm. where it was mostly about nature, right? You know, that they were describing or experiencing as uh, <clears throat> as a way of unifying the experience. Yeah, it's something um, we're so disconnected from, mm-hmm. and yet that is the unity, right? Mm-hmm. That we're all a part of this nature mm-hmm. that is us and the world and the universe, the energy of that. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, I'm going to ask you a question yeah, now. Sure. Do you ever, um, you know, we're living in a very political age, yeah. you know, and everything is this or that. and. Do you ever highlight in your classes any specific political um, uh, news or events or? Well, during um, I don't usually during asana class, mm-hmm. but I teach meditation class on Saturday morning, and I have a, a satsang up front. So I talk up front about something yoga. And eventually talk about the practice we're going to do and how it relates. So sometimes during that, I'll talk about political stuff. Sort of, um, well, I guess a, a feeling I have right now is that a lot of people are challenged to process what's going on, mm-hmm. and it's knocking them off their game. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're preoccupied. They're in a state of stress. They're in an orange alert. You know orange-haired alert <laughs> um, and <laughs> yes. so you know I try to again like look through the yoga lens at what's going on and bring some light to how could we deal with that how what is this stuff that we're being challenged with and in in a yoga perspective what's important what's not important how do you act without being too attached to the results mm-hmm. You know, so uh, a lot of what's in the Yoga Sutras, um, and you know, a lot about life being. What did John Lennon say? Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. You know, it's like, <laughs> like yeah. you're living. You don't get to decide what your living puts in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, life puts in puts its stuff in front of you and you just have to address that yeah you know and you can deny it all you want or say this isn't fair or this isn't right or whatever but it's what is Mm -hmm. so you know these are the kinds of themes I try to weave into class because I feel that yoga is bigger you know yoga is about life how Mm -hmm. do you live life Mm -hmm. you know the subtitle of the podcast is you know real yoga, actual happiness, deep living. Mm. So, you know, I feel like yoga has the potential to bring those things. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. It struck me the other day how brahmacharya, um, you know, with the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. the um, attention towards sexual responsibility with oneself and others, you yeah. know, how uh, the sutras ancient in their right in their uh, entrance into the into yeah, our totally contemporary very you know yeah pertinent and uh, applicable yeah <clears throat> yeah like I, you know we're doing this retreat in France this summer so I've been uh, doing a little marketing campaign where I look up like people who are creative you know well-known people from French history and mm-hmm. just putting them on Instagram with a little quote from them and whatnot and I came upon Catherine Deneuve and Brigitte Bardot and both of them spoke out against the Me Too movement mm-hmm. and apparently there were a number of older French actresses who were sort of like this is ridiculous you know mm-hmm. um, and I remember when that happened when they when they did make this little stand against the sort of waterfall of, of activity of uh, calling people out and whatnot mm-hmm. and it struck me because what they were saying was you know flirting is okay mm-hmm. you know you're 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 making a big deal out of this thing mm-hmm. and I remember thinking and listening because I listened carefully to them because I respect both of them oh, as yeah. actresses oh, and whatnot yeah. you know mm-hmm. and, and I said no you're talking about personal relationships 
this is about people imposing power on other people. Yeah. You know? So, and that, that goes right to the brahmacharya. It's mm-hmm. not celibacy. Mm-hmm. It's control of the energy. Yes. You know? And that's Responsibility. A, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. And that, that kind of nuance is important. Mm-hmm. You know? It's mm-hmm. not, this isn't a religion or a Ten Commandments. No. This is about understanding when you do one thing, it has an impact. It goes mm-hmm. right back to that ishta thing of what does this do to me? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. When you impose your power on someone else, it fucks you up oh, as yeah. well as them. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, that karma will continue until, yeah. you know, until it's dissolved in some way. Yeah. Um, but I was just wondering, I, I usually, I was asking you, uh, as a master teacher, do you bring that kind of uh, light into the into the practice? And uh, and I was just curious about that. You know, I what's been your? I usually just sort of lately um, speak in. Uh, uh, non-specific terms about mm-hmm. it like for instance sexual responsibility mm-hmm. or cause no harm or mm-hmm. what is truth you know mm-hmm. and and uh, that's a good one what is truth? what is truth <laughs> and yeah um, you know uh, I'm still on that <laughs> <laughs> not just in words and lying yeah. and all of that but what is truth and yeah. then building the class around that but yeah. I don't know. I think more and more people are needing to get more, for me anyway, to get a little bit more detailed in the class. I'm not, I'm just fishing it out through you, yeah. you know. Um, maybe there's a calling in me to get a little bit more specific mm-hmm. rather than a, uh, an overall. Yeah. Uh, well, you have to respect people's differences of opinion and positions and stuff like that. Yeah. But at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like you say, if you're helping to define something, mm-hmm. I think that's really valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk for a minute about this amazing project that you've been doing for years now <laughs> on the summer solstice. What's up this year? What's up this year? Um, this is our fifteenth year, I believe. And, wow! Uh, I know it's just. Uh, and speaking of time, it goes. Well, wait, before you go there, yeah. 50, it's the fifteenth year of summer solstice in in Times Square. Yes, in Times Square. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Tim Tompkins and I uh, had this idea fifteen years ago to. Uh, to just see what would happen. My vision was that, you know, we'd do a, a sun salutation in the middle of Times Square. We were just going into the Iraq War, I think, and I thought that people just needed some way to to unwind. And uh-huh. I thought that all the doors would open in Times Square. Everyone would come out of the offices, do a sun salutation, and all would be right with the world, you know. And, um, and, uh, the, the day of our launch, it was raining cats and dogs, and uh-huh. that, so we were nervous and scared that uh, no one would show up. Right. And in fact, only three people showed up. It was me, Tim, and one of my other students. But Tim had invited the New York Times to come, and so they took a picture of us, and there was a, an article. And, um, and then the next year, I think there were 25 people that showed up. And then over the years, it's just continued to build. But... Uh, it's an experiment again, you know, how does yoga affect us in any situation, in any place? Yeah. Can, I, can I find peace in this craziness in my life when everything is blinking and honking and, yeah. and rubbing against, you know, and, and, and dirty and filthy? How right. can I sit and find inner stillness is it possible was the question and so that's how it was born mm. and uh, we've been nurturing that idea for the 15 years now. yeah and last year how many people came i think it was eleven thousand people that came that's last amazing. year yeah. amazing and uh and people have come back over the years and from all over the world uh 
a few last two years ago we uh, connected with um, International Day of Yoga um, the Prime Minister of India had deemed it International Day of Yoga so all the countries around the world were practicing yoga and they wanted to link up with our mm. site so that mm. there was this you know continuation of yoga throughout the, the day and uh, Tim gave a speech at the UN to uh, launch it, and it was just pretty amazing. That's wow. just a amazing highlight for me was just seeing how this little seed could extend with, you know, some love. I yeah. Guess. So, what day is it this year? It's on the twenty-first uh, Thursday. Uh-huh. And, and, uh huh. And how does teaching? How does one do? Do it or get involved. You, uh, we will uh, open the website up uh, on June first, so that you can register online to take part. Um, and uh, then once you go online, you'll see a schedule of classes, and uh, you can choose the class that you want to to participate in. We have a uh, from seven thirty in the morning. I'm teaching the very first class. And uh, there's a 7.45 in the evening. So is it one stage that teaches to the whole group, or there's different satellites? There are satellite stages, Mm -hmm. and there are five five satellite stages this year. And, um, And so there are... There's the main platform and then other platforms that are around, and, uh, and, uh, there are lead teachers, say, that are on each platform so that if you're at a particular station, you can follow that particular teacher as the one teacher guides through headphones and Uh microphones, and sometimes we have the big, uh, tele, um, Seeing it on projection, exactly, uh-huh. um, so that you can be seen. And the people who are doing the yoga, they have mats, I would assume. And then, are they on the on the street? Yeah, they're wow. on the street. And before we used to have a very beginning, we had compassion. Yeah, <laughs> we would lay down a tarp wow. so that people could lay their yoga mats, and that got a little bit dangerous because it moves around. Uh-huh. So we thought it would be better just to leave it there but we do offer the first thousand people that come through the gate we offer the sponsor offers uh um yoga mats nice wow that's an amazing project (laughs) yeah and um how how much time of the year do you spend focusing on that uh you know, I start to get nervous around uh, March, <laughs> yeah. but it's gotten to be so uh, efficient. Times Square Alliance, uh, Tim Tompkins is the president of Times Square Alliance, and they're used to doing these events in okay. Times Square. They're responsible for the ball drop on New Year's Eve mm. and um, food events that happen in uh, different times of the year, all to promote the businesses in Times Square. So they're used to doing that. Right. And um, so their method is very uh, methodical and yeah. specific and, you yeah. know, in terms of ordering the ordering the, the police and the logistics of, you know. So you basically just get to deal with the content. Exactly. That's yeah, awesome. Content. How great. Yeah. Wow. Well, I wish I could be there this year. But you, I'm going to be shipping off to Finland that very day. Well, I so. I hope that you can participate and join us, and whenever you're available. Thanks. Um, uh, yeah. I think it'll be so exciting, and the participants there would be so amazed and thrilled by your teaching. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well. Good luck with that. Thank and you. Good, good luck in Finland. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting in Finland. We're, we're putting together a little tour of Europe. We're like a rock band. We're, oh, really? We're going to be in Finland for six weeks doing a teacher training. Mm-hmm. And in three of the weeks, it's intensive, like Monday through Friday. But then the final three weeks are just weekends. So we'll be traveling a bit on those weekends elsewhere. We're going to try to make a trip into Sweden probably into Gothenburg, to Berlin, go see Julie Blumenthal, and, mm. uh, and maybe a little bit other spots in Germany. Mm. And then ultimately we're going to end up in France to do our retreat in August. Wow. So, big European vacation. Wow. All work, but <laughs> the wow. good kind of work. The good kind of work. Yeah. 
you're gonna have so much fun sharing the yoga love art and yeah. and yoga yeah so if they're at all separate <laughs> well yeah I sort of you know I got into yoga for art I mean it was like keeping me sane while I was being an artist mm-hmm. so yeah dealing with all those challenges of being creative and questioning yourself and oh yeah I had such fun in your satsang the other night. Mm. It was so wonderful. Yeah. Well, thanks. Doing I the floated out it. Oh. I'm sorry, kirtan. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, the yeah. kirtan. It was. Uh, I just floated right out of there. Yeah. Well, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Douglas. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with me. Oh, well, it's wonderful Peter, to chat. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Thank and you. We'll do it again. Thank you. It'd be Namaste. my pleasure. Namaste. That concludes this episode of Peter's Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Douglas. I sure did. Remember, we're going to France. So are you. Check me out on peterferco.com. Please go to patreon.com and support the podcast, please. You can get a mantra. You can have a private session with me. You could just ask me questions and know that your question's going to be answered on the next podcast. Or you could just... Chuck a dollar my way, it's like so much less than so many things, just like they say on public broadcasting. Thank you for listening. I love doing this podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to it too. Rate it, and I'll see you later. Namaste.